people do come to Christ. The best form of evangelism falls on the heels of what God does in the hearts of his people in revival. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. Uh, we are so excited to be with you today. I'm Bill Eliff, and I'm on the executive team of One Cry. And my co-host is Kyle Reno. And Kyle, uh, the purpose of this podcast we've identified is to accelerate revival and spiritual awakening two ways, through sharing revival truth and revival stories. It's the need of the hour. Yeah, and the truth is we need to know. We need to know what God has done in history, but we also need to hear right now what is God doing in real time around the world. And the truth is there's so many terms out there and definitions for revival, but to get to the basics, like what is revival really? Right. You know, uh, Kyle and I, along with our role at One Cry, both serve as pastors at the Summit Church in Little Rock, mm -hmm. Arkansas. And I think the value of that is that it's real time for us. Right. I mean, we're, we're always uh, on the ground mm -hmm. uh, seeking to see revival in our city, revival in a community of churches that's very vibrant here in Little Rock, and most importantly, revival in our own church. Right. Yeah, it's not theoretical to us. Right. We're not trying to just gain more information, mm -hmm. but actually learn how to position our lives and our leadership for the sake of seeing the Lord move in, in our day. And I know the Lord has taught you so many things, Bill, over decades about revival. And I'd love for you to share some of that truth with us. You know, one of the things that's important to realize is the cycle of revival. And uh, so if you could just imagine a circle and up at 12 o'clock is the church really walking with God through human history. But we always fall away. And because we have these enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And when we fall away, God comes and gently begins to discipline us or to try to bring us back to himself. We may call this the judgment of God. And judgment is a very good thing. Judgment is like pain to the human body. I mean, when I put my hand on a hot stove, uh, I'm grateful that I have that God-given sensation of pain so that it won't cause further damage. So God brings this discipline or judgment and then down at the bottom of that cycle, uh, you'll read all through Scripture a little phrase, and it will say something like this, and all the people cried out. When God brings us as believers to desperation, we've tried all the things that we think can turn it around. Uh, finally, we just turn our face towards heaven, and we just cry out to him. I've studied this very carefully, and I can't find a place in Scripture where God's people fervently, humbly, repentantly cried out that God did not hear an answer. And then on that cycle, God sends revival. And revival, I love Richard Owen Roberts' definition of this. Revival is the extraordinary movement of the Spirit of God among God's people that produces something. It produces extraordinary results. So there's the ordinary movement of God all the time. I mean, you you got out of bed this morning because God uh, gave you breath. He's moving and working. 
But the extraordinary movement is when God does something beyond the norm, something uh, that is recognizable and visible, manifest. We call it the manifest presence of God. So on that cycle, God sends revival to his church. And then the next thing on the cycle is his ultimate agenda, and that's spiritual awakening among the lost, that lost people are awakened by God's spirit and through the witness and testimony of his revived church, and they come to Christ. In fact, Jonathan Edwards of the First Great Awakening said that uh, everything is accelerated in times of revival and spiritual awakening. Now, we've had in our history, although most people don't realize this, every 30 to 60 years, we've had a nationwide movement of revival. The First Great Awakening in the 1730s, the Second Great Awakening in the early 1800s, the Great Prayer Revival of 1857 and 58, Uh, then the Welsh Revival in 1904 and 5, which really was a worldwide revival and dramatically affected the United States. And about uh, 60 years later, around 1970, uh, the Jesus Movement, which was, most historians believe, was aborted in its fullness because the church wouldn't really accept uh, what was happening. But what this means is that, that now we have very few people who have been in the midst of a great, full, nationwide revival. And that makes our prayers weak. And that makes our faith very small. And so I think it's important to understand and to get a a little bit of a grip on what revival really does. Let me just mention four things. First of all, revival revives the church. The word revive means to bring to life again, right? So uh, let's say it like this. Let's say that you heard this podcast today and your heart was stirred and uh, you said, man, I don't know what I can do, but but maybe I could just get with some people and begin to pray for revival. So you got a little room and you advertise. You said, let's meet at, let's meet at, at noon every day uh, uh, or maybe just noon on one day of the week. Let's meet on Tuesday and let's just, let's just pray for revival. You advertise it. Nobody showed up. Then maybe one came and another. Finally, there were six people. You said, well, this is good. Do you want to do this again? They all said, let's, let's meet next Tuesday. The next Tuesday, 20 people came. And you thought, well, this we're making some progress. And the next Tuesday, a hundred people came. Now you would think something is happening, something extraordinary. And then let's just say that you decided to meet every day of the work week. I know this is just a fictional illustration, but then you you said, let's just continue to meet. And in about five months, fifty thousand people. We're meeting every day for prayer. Now you say, well, that's impossible. That would be extraordinary. Well, that's exactly what happened in the 1857 revival with Jeremiah Lanfear. You can't can't, uh, credit that to any man. But what happened was people began to cry out and God brought his church to life again. The second thing that happens is that God saves the lost. Now, no man can save a lost person. Only God can do that. We witness, we share the gospel, that's our part. We pray, 
but the the record of what God has done in times of spiritual awakening is just phenomenal. In the first great awakening, 15% of the entire population of the United States came to faith in Christ. 15%. And just think about that. Do the math on that in your city or your town and think about how it would change your city if over a course of two years, 15% of the people came to faith in Christ. Jonathan Edwards said in Northampton, Massachusetts, where he pastored, that the pastors could not identify a single person who was lost after the revival, single adult. That same thing happened in Atlantic City, New Jersey. They said that we can't identify a lost person in the city anymore. That That's just extraordinary, isn't it? The extraordinary movement of the Spirit of God that produces extraordinary results. And the result of that is, thirdly, it transforms the culture. A pastor of a St. John Woods Presbyterian Church in, in uh, Wales said after the Welsh revival that God did more in nine months to transform their culture than centuries of legislation could produce. Uh, drunkenness was cut in half. There were no cases to try for many of the judges. Uh, the the one, one police precinct, they formed a quartet, and they said, we've got, we got to go where the people are. And so they went to the revival, and they would sing in the quartet. I mean, the stories, all true, very uh, identifiable sources on these are just unbelievable. When you think about the Second Great Awakening in 1800 to about 1825, Mark Knowles, a historian at Notre Dame, says that that moment in American history was the greatest transformative moment for good before or since. Hospitals were began, universities started, uh, a thousand churches uh, began during the westward expansion. Just an extraordinary transformation of culture. And I don't think I know anybody who didn't want the culture transformed. And finally, it accelerates missions. Now, if you love missions and, and our passion to see every tongue, tribe, people, and nation come to Christ, then you ought to pray for revival. Because I can illustrate this to you if I had the time, but every great major missions movement came out of seasons of revival. The Haystack Prayer Meeting, the modern missionary movement with William Carey, all came out of times of revival. Names that you know, like J. Hudson Taylor and George Mueller, uh, who greatly fostered missions uh, in China, all happened out of the seedbed of revival. And the reason is that during revival, the church's heart returns to God's heart. And we feel about the world what God feels. And, you know, he so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believed in him would have everlasting life. So I think, Kyle, when we think about what revival is, it's this mm -hmm. extraordinary movement that is unexplainable apart from God. Yeah, and you just hear those stories. It builds my faith, mm -hmm. just seeing what God's done in the past. And I know there's others out there. Actually, a friend of yours, Byron Paulus, who's the founder of One Cry, who really has his finger on the pulse of what God's done in the past, but also 
what's happening right now. So we want to take a few minutes to hear you interview him about those very things. Well, we're so excited today, uh, and I'm personally excited to have my dear friend Byron Paulus uh, with us on this first podcast uh, to interview, because Byron has been, for over 46 years, has been with Life Action Ministries, uh, which is the largest ministry, I think, in the country, solely devoted to revival and spiritual awakening, and God has used Life Action in so many ways, and Byron, you've been right at the heart of that. And I know several mm-hmm. years ago, uh, you just had a passion for us to do more. Mm-hmm. And One Cry as an initiative came out of that. And this One Cry podcast has now come as a part of that. So tell us a little bit uh, about what One Cry is and why we're, why we're doing this. Yeah, well, thank you, Bill and Kyle. What a, what a joy to be entering into this uh, whole new venture together. And, and you're right, Bill. Uh, it was about 10 years ago. Uh, I, I just began, I got away just to be able to seek the Lord uh, because I knew our nation, even after 40 years of this organization pursuing God for revival, was further away from God uh, than, than, than we were then. And so I said, Lord, what is it? We need more. And so that's when One Cry was birthed. That was the birthing room when I just said, Lord, what is it you may want? And I think, Bill, the key thing that came out of that is we can't do it alone. I was in Acts chapter 2, and I was just meditating on the outpouring of the Spirit of God and thinking, oh, God, if you do something, I don't think there'll be another Pentecost, but there's echoes, right, of Pentecost. And so it was in that context of, of seeking God for more in Acts chapter 2, the Lord just put on my heart, uh, there needed to be a, a broad nationwide call for spiritual awakening, broader than any one ministry, any one organization. And so in that, in that little birthing room, it was like the Lord said, Byron, believe me for intercessors, believe me for those that would just be seeking God with all of their heart. Uh, believe me for voices that would go tell the incredible hope and stories, really of what God has done, is doing, and can do, uh, which is part of what this podcast is going to be all about. But then also, believe me for partners, other leaders, other ministries, pastors all over this nation that would unite together because God blesses in a special way uh, when brethren and leaders are united together. So that was kind of the birthing room, Bill. And my passion and heart is that God would just bring us all together with that one, I believe, divine goal in the heart of God, a revival and spiritual awakening. You know, I know the the title, One Cry, uh, (laughs) automatically makes everyone think, well, this is just about prayer. And it is foundationally that we would unite in one heart cry for revival. But it's so much more. I mean, we have a deep passion to... uh, I've often said it's kind of create a virtual highway across the country yeah. uh, with easy on ramps uh, so people could get materials and training and development uh, and things ready at hand. Uh, because I think people don't understand what revival and spiritual awakening mm-hmm. really is. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the definition of revival and spiritual awakening? Well, I do think that's such a critical question. And I even want to preface it with this, that hopefully uh, our viewers, listeners, Bill, will have a desire to 
truly understand what it is because I believe what has happened in the last five to maybe eight, 10 years, the, the whole uh, passion for uh, the activity toward the crying out for revival has moved from the back burner in our nation almost to the front burner, at least edging up to the front burner. So people are proclaiming the hope. People are turning to that as our one hope and solution. So what is it we're turning to? I mean, when we say revival, what is it we're really mean? When you hear your pastor talking about today, and maybe he's never talked about it before, and you hear there's movements of prayer to that end, which there are many now, what is it they're praying toward? So there are so many over the years, Bill, that have really stuck in my own heart and thinking. Uh, Duncan Campbell used to say, revival is falling in love with Jesus all over again. And we know there in Revelation that that's, that's so true. We return to our first love. Uh, I, I love, I, I think it's Ray Ortland who wrote a book, and uh, he, he said revival is the intensifying, the multiplying, the magnifying, then I added the glorifying work of God, accelerating work of God, he says. And I love that. I love what Richard Owen Roberts, uh, an extraordinary movement of God that produces extraordinary results. Then one more, Bill, that, and all this kind of gives uh, to me a, a, a kind of a definition in all these quotes and understanding of others, both historically, but also biblically, and uh, a longer one that the founder of our ministry used to say, it's a moving of God's spirit through the power of his word, mm -hmm. through the hearts of his children that resurrects to new life. Areas have been lying stagnant, dormant, or out of balance, and it results in a fresh new love and obedience to Jesus Christ. Now, on a personal level, really even a church level, you break that down, it's a movement of God's spirit. It can't be manufactured or produced or manipulated. It's a movement of God's spirit, but true revivals is through the power of his word. And as scripture says, Bill, and you, you teach this passage in Psalm 85, I think even here a little while ago, and, and uh, revive us again, thy people, that we might rejoice in thee. It's my people who are called by my name. Revive thy work. So it is God's people. So it's a movement of God's spirit and the power of his word to the hearts of his children. But hey, there's all, we all get stagnant, don't we? And we all get dormant. And, and those areas need to be quickened by God's spirit and his word. They've been lying stagnant. But man, it always resolves in a fresh new love and another characteristic. And I know you're giving characteristics, Bill, and you and Kyle, but it's also it drives us to obedience, instant obedience, joyful obedience. So yeah, uh, those are, that's just to whet the appetite maybe. I could go on and on on what scripture teaches even on what revival is. Well, those are great definitions. And you know, I, I love, uh, I remember hearing Richard Owen Roberts once say, I can define revival in, in one word, God. It's God <laughs> yeah. having a joyful place. Uh, in my heart and life, in the heart yeah. and life of the church, in the heart. Yeah, and Bill, I want to I want to inject there because I remember that so vividly. And the reason I remembered it is because I've been I, I was going around the nation and wherever, and I was given that definition of an ex. And then he all of a sudden said, "Byron, I've changed my definition of revival." I said, "Don't do that to me." Yeah. But you're right. He came to the conclusion. This historian, it's God, it's and it God. is His manifest yeah. presence. Yeah. Well, revival is personal, Byron, and uh, I'm always fascinated by 
men who have this burden and passion in their heart, uh, where that started, how that began. And uh, you have a, a fascinating testimony about that because uh, you weren't headed uh, into uh, a passion of spending the rest of your life pursuing revival. I, if I remember right, you wanted to make a million dollars. That was it. Bill, I majored in business and I had a plan of when I graduated from college, if I have a certain starting salary, increase it by so many dollars every year, I could retire by age of 40, you know, making all this, all this money. And I made that plan work, honestly, for the first three years. But um, I, uh, on our honeymoon, Bill, we, we came across, I wanted to go see a friend and he happened to be in this group called Life Action Ministries. And so he couldn't be in my wedding. So I said, I'll go see him. So we did on our honeymoon, just down the road a little bit and stepped into a service. So all I can say is growing up in Christian churches and solid churches, Bible-believing churches, effective churches on a human level, for sure, going through Christian college. Bill, I, was, I, I like so many, I was active in my church. I was chairman of the Christian Ed Committee. My wife was church secretary. We were leading on the side of flourishing junior high youth group. We were doing all the things right externally. But when I stepped into that service, I never sensed the presence of God like I did that night. And I think it was more than just my heart. I just think there was a corporate sense of the presence of God. And I'm telling you, it was like a magnet. I couldn't define it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even call it a presence, God. All I knew, which goes back to the founding, I wanted more. And so I became a groupie. It was like a magnet. Wherever they were, I, I showed up. My wife and I showed up. Uh, we would sit around on Saturday nights, invite our friends to listen to this little thing called Life Action Revival because people were sharing with brokenness what God was doing in their lives around the radio. I mean, you know, it's just like, uh, let's huddle around. Is this real? Can people be that authentic? Can God be that real? Mm. All that to say, um, I was invited then to come and and I said, how much will I make? They said, nothing. You'll raise your support as a missionary. And I just thought, man, I'm not going to retire by the time I'm 40, making nothing. Uh, but we decided to come for one year. I wasn't going to raise my support as a missionary. I was too proud. I would live off our savings account. But that first week, Bill, once again, I just sensed God, whatever it is, I, I wanted it. Mm -hmm. And I heard a definition of repentance that went like this, a hard attitude that says, Lord, everything I know to be sin and everything you show me in the future to be sin, I'd be willing to give it up for you. It's not that I'd be sinless, but there's a heart desire that didn't want God in sin, but just wanted God. Mm -hmm. And I finally, God said, well, if give your savings account away. I said, I can't do that, Lord. And finally, I just said, okay, God, you can have my money. You can have it all. I'll give it all away. And it's like God said, I didn't want your money. He knew what had me. I wanted you. And I repented and gave my heart to Christ that first week. Mm -hmm. And wow. that one year has turned into what, 46 years, almost 47. But you know, I think what's remarkable about that is when you get in the presence of God uh, and a Walking an aisle at age nine didn't do it for me anymore. I knew that was an alibi. I really didn't have Christ relationally. But you get in the presence of God, people do, Bill, as you talked about earlier, people do come to Christ. The best form of evangelism falls on the heels of what God does in the hearts of his people in the revival. You know, I, I remember the first time I encountered, and this is not about life action today, it's about revival, but right, absolutely. life action came to the church I pastored in Norman, Oklahoma, and uh, and it was a two-week meeting, 
and it went into a third week and a fourth week. And during that time, uh, 50 people were saved. Yeah. And, and Dell Faisenfeld, who was preaching and never once preached an evangelistic <laughs> message, it yeah. was the presence of God. Right. And, and again, you, you have, if you get into God's presence, uh, you have to either run or repent. You, you can't, it's, ne it's never business as usual. Yeah. And I think that's what we long for is the manifest, the visible, um, unmistakable presence of God uh, in, a, in a life, in a family, in a church, and in our nation. And Byron, it's just so great to hear your heart uh, t today. And I know you'll be with us many more times on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we're just so excited to get this out on the airwaves even yeah. a little more and I and so that people can get educated about revival but also just catch the catch the fire of revival in their souls yeah and Bill I just might add quickly here and I encourage all you especially pastors and Christian leaders that are going to be tuning in and each of these segments, as many as possible, without manufacturing it, we're going to be giving, Bill, what you just said, reports of revival, actual, mm -hmm. where God is at work today, where he is moving, and where he, um, uh, to create thirst, because once you've seen the fire, uh, you, you want, the smoke is on your clothes forever. Yeah. And once you hear a true story of the movement of God, you want more and more and more and to be a part of that kind of movement. So, Bill, thank you for the way you're investing in this. I'm so thrilled and excited for you and Kyle and others. They're going to be giving revival reports and co-hosting. So thank you so much. Thank you, Byron. Man, that is so encouraging to hear those stories of what is happening right now. And it builds my faith for right here, saying like, Lord, do that here. Move in us, move in our lives, move in our city and we're hoping that that's the same where you are listening that you're believing god for a fresh movement of the spirit and in, in that where god has strategically placed you absolutely and you know uh, men like byron who've tracked this for 50 years all of those men and i could name a uh, many of them myself included who've been a student of revival for for many years are more excited right now i i really believe and i'm not I wouldn't have said this uh, several years ago. I, I believe we're on the edge of a great movement of God and all the signs are there. And one of the signs is the unbelievable increase in prayer and conversation about revival. Every pastor I know is talking about revival. And the reason is, is because nothing else will save us, but that could be our redemption and, and the church's redemption for our nation and for our world. So the title of this podcast is One Cry. And the reason is, is that One Cry exists as an initiative to unite the nation in a solitary, united cry, just like we see in the scripture when all the people cried out. And every week on the podcast, we want to do exactly that. So Kyle and I will lead us uh, but we want you to join with us in prayer, not just listening to a prayer. Mm -hmm. But as we voice this, I wonder if you would pray right where you are. You may be in your car. You might be in your living room. Uh, you might be in your study somewhere or at work somewhere. But would you right now just cry out to God that he would send the extraordinary movement of the Spirit of God that produces 
extraordinary results. Let's uh, pray together. Kyle, why don't you begin? Yeah. Father, I pray even now that you would give us faith to believe in your power, mm-hmm. in your movement, in your heart, what you desire to do all over the world and right where you have placed each one of us, God. So I pray for every listener, sure. God, that you'd give them faith to believe that you want to move in their lives in re- revivalistic ways, in in their cities, God, in their church, Lord. So we just invite you to speak, mm-hmm. to teach us, Lord, to teach us how to pray, to teach us how to follow you, Lord, and to give us the faith to see it through mm-hmm. until you come, until mm-hmm. you move. And Lord, um, I pray that you'd give us the grace uh, to pray big prayers. Mm-hmm. Lord, uh, what you have done in history, when you want to bring a course correction to the nations you've made and created, is you've you've come down. You've uh, rent the heavens and come down. Mm-hmm. And so, Lord, we pray for that. And we ask you to come in power, to manifest yourself, to to make yourself known in extraordinary ways. And Lord, we pray that the result of that would be that your church would just fall down. Lord, we look we look at at the uh, around us at churches. We would fall down in humility and repentance and fresh all out surrender to you. Lord, we we look at the Church of Acts. We pray that we would take our possessions and we would see them as just coming from you and we would just give so that there's no more need. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would open our mouths. Lord, Paul prayed, uh, he asked people to pray that God would open his mouth with boldness and give him utterance to Mm -hmm. preach the gospel. And Father, I just pray that you'd open our mouths. Lord, the reason we think people are not being saved in our communities is we just don't open our mouths and uh, we are ashamed of the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would send such a reviving to our hearts and to our churches that we would open our mouths. And Lord, you you have promised that when the gospel goes out, you save people. Lord, it's the power of God into salvation to all those who believe. So Lord, uh, there, there are millions of people right now across our nation and across the world who are praying for revival and awakening. And and we add one more prayer, <laughs> Lord, one more time, one more group of people who are on this, listening to this podcast, uh, that we add our prayer, Lord. And we pray for that tipping point mm-hmm. moment when, Lord, we began to see the explosion yes, of your Lord. presence in our midst. And Lord, when you do that, uh, We're just going to tell you how much we love you, Mm -hmm. how blessed we are that you're our God, and how honored we are, Lord, that you would visit us in power with your presence. And that's the prayer of our heart. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so glad that you joined us for this uh, inaugural (laughs) uh, podcast in One Cry. And... uh, Uh, We want to invite you to go to YouTube if you're watching by YouTube and like, comment, or subscribe. You can also see this podcast on onecry.com, and uh, you can subscribe there so you don't miss an episode because we've got many wonderful guests coming. Kathy Brenzel from the National Day of Prayer, Bob Bakke, one of the greatest authorities on revival that we know, and Robbie Gallaty, who's seeing a movement in his church. We'll hear from him next week. 
of what we may look back as the catalytic moment of revival mm -hmm. in our nation. And if you go to onecry.com, you will also see how to start a seven-day personal revival journey. And we want to encourage you to go there. There's a lot of resources. And our featured resource this month is the book Prayer with No Intermission, a 40-day journey right into the heart of God. So, Kyle, thanks for being with us Man, today. And we're going to have a lot of fun. That's right. <laughs> Come back next week. Come back next week. And thank you again. God bless you.